When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michigan self-imposed a three-game suspension for head football coach Jim Harbaugh to begin the 2023 season, stemming from alleged violations during the COVID-19 dead period. The university announced this Monday Harbaugh will miss home games against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green before making his return to the sideline for Michigan's Big Ten opener September 23rd against Rutgers. Now, in a statement... Released by the school, Harbaugh said, quote, I will continue to do what I always tell our players and my kids at home. Don't get bitter, get better. All right, welcome into College Football Live. I'm Victoria Arlen alongside Harry Douglas, Greg McElroy, and Pete Thamel. Pete, what does this suspension mean for Harbaugh and Michigan for not just now, but for the long term? Well, Victoria, for now, I don't think it's going to mean that much. Uh, you know, Greg talked on this show yesterday just about uh, how how big of a favorite Michigan is going to be in these first three games. They're going to win overwhelmingly, according to the odds makers in Vegas. And it doesn't even creep into the Big Ten schedule against Rutgers, a team they've struggled a little bit with the past few years. Where it's really going to matter going forward is the 2024 season. And I think if you're a Michigan fan, you have to look at September 7th of 2024. That's the date that Texas of the SEC comes to the big house and plays. Uh, it was obviously a four-game suspension that was initially brought forth to the Committee on Infractions. They rejected that four-game suspension. Michigan self-imposed three to try to mitigate some damage. And again, it's always hard to predict what a committee is going to do on infractions. But you would think they, they projected Harbaugh to get more than a three-game suspension. So is that Texas game in doubt? The big question that I have here is, what does this mean for the future? When you look at what Harbaugh and what Michigan proactively did, it's almost as if they owe taxes to the IRS in the amount of seven figures, and they decide to write a $25,000 check to the IRS and say, hey, are we good here? And the IRS is going to say, absolutely not. The IRS, in this case, being the NCAA, that's the illustration that I think is appropriate here. This suspension really means nothing. It's not going to impact Michigan this year. And to be honest with you guys, I don't think it should impact the NCAA's evaluation of the situation moving forward. If they're going to drop the hammer on Michigan because of what went down the last couple of years, they are probably still going to drop the hammer knowing that the only way this impacts Michigan and Jim Harbaugh is in their own personal pocketbook. So, Harry, I, I just don't see this as a real significant situation at the moment because as it relates to Michigan's prospects, it shouldn't have any impact on their season. Yeah, Greg, I think one of the things that come to mind 
for myself personally, when I think about a guy like Jim Harbaugh, and you can't ignore the simple fact that he has flirted with the National Football League the last few mm. years, or since becoming the head coach of, a, uh, of, the, of the Michigan Wolverines. This is a guy who had a ton of success early on when he became the head coach for the San Francisco 49ers, winning coach, winning coach of the year in his first year there, going to a Super Bowl in year two, and then in year three with the San Francisco 49ers, also uh, going to an NFC Championship game. And I want everyone to keep an eye on some. Keep an eye on the Cleveland Browns. And the reason why I mention that team is because their makeup is everything that Jim Harbaugh preaches. You talk about offensive line play, running the football, having that bell Kyle back, having a dual threat type quarterback like he's had at Michigan right now with J.J. McCarthy. Also, what he had in Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick with the San Francisco 49ers. He loves tight ends. You look at the Cleveland Browns, they have a lot of tight ends. And we also know that their owner, Jimmy Haslam, would do any and everything to bring a coach like Jim Harbaugh to the Cleveland Browns. That's if Kevin Stefanski can can't get things going with this team in 2023. Harry, I think the NFL is a, is a great point to bring up. Obviously, the last two seasons, Harbaugh has had deep flirtations with the NFL. Two years ago, he interviewed with the Vikings on signing day, and he said it would be the last time he talked to an NFL team, and he was going to stay at Michigan forever. Last year, it was obviously the Broncos who he talked to extensively um, before making the decision to return to Michigan. With this NCAA case having to play out fully, hanging over his head, and another suspension, I think it's safe to say likely, to potentially start the 2024 season, does he do what Chip Kelly did? Does he do what Pete Carroll did? Does he do what John Calipari did when he was at UMass 20 years ago, beat the posse out of town, tell the committee on infractions they can take their amateurism rules and shove it, and go back to the NFL where he has one of the top 10 winning percentages in league history? I mean, look, at this point... Anything can happen, and we've seen a lot of things happen, so that is that leaves a lot on the table, and I think at this point we've seen the, the uh, suspension that the school has put on. We don't know what the NCAA is going to put on either, so the NFL could come knocking. Pete Thamel, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to shift gears over to Notre Dame. After a COVID-19 cancellation, Notre Dame and Navy meet in Ireland for the third time. On Saturday, the teams will open their seasons in front of a sold-out crowd of more than 48,000 in Dublin's Aviva Stadium, including an estimated 40,000 who are traveling from the U.S. That makes it the largest of U.S. coming over for a sporting event. Now, year two of the Marcus Freeman era comes with plenty of changes. First, the pass rush needs to overcome Isaiah Foskey's departure to the NFL. Foskey had 11 sacks last season, tied for the sixth most in the FBS. Now, offensive coordinator Tommy Reese departed for Alabama this season, so the Irish promoted tight ends coach Jared Parker to replace him, and Freeman and Parker were assistants together at Purdue in Cincinnati. Finally, Notre Dame went to the portal to find a QB, grabbing Sam Hartman from Wake Forest. Hartman was one of seven players to record at least 3,500 pass yards and 35 pass touchdowns last season. The Irish ranked 87th in the FBS pass yards last season. Now with Sam Hartman promoted and joining the Irish. Greg, can you talk to me about the impact that Sam will have for Notre Dame? It's going to be massive. What I'm most curious is, though, he really excelled in an offense that is very unique at Wake Forest. They call it the slow mesh, the Dave Clawson triple option-esque offense. It's very different. It's predicated almost exclusively on run-pass options, where the quarterback has to re react really late 
in his evaluation process of the defense to deliver the football. At Notre Dame, that's not what they've employed in the past. Now, they have variations of run-pass option, but it hasn't really been their calling card. Is he going to be capable of transitioning to more traditional drop-back passing attack? Because that's, I think, a pretty big difference from what he did in previous years there at Wake Forest. Now, Harry, what ceiling do you think Notre Dame has this year? Well, I think when you when you think about the Notre Dame Fighting Iris in 2023, and this is Marcus Freeman's second year uh, with this university, I think thrive in September and not implode in September is something they need to focus on first. And you look at last season, starting 0-2, losing to Ohio State the first game of the year, losing to Marshall, but then also having a loss to Stanford um, in, in mid-October. When you look at their schedule right now, the first game of the year is going to be in Dublin, in, in Ireland versus Navy, a team that they only beat by three points. That game at NC State, well, you have Brennan Armstrong uh, transferring from Virginia, paired up with his old offensive coordinator. And then you look at Ohio State and then Duke after that. And we know what Riley Leonard at the quarterback position for Duke is going to bring to them and Mike Echo and what he's building with that program. So I think first and foremost, you have to thrive and not implode in September when you look at the Fighting Irish in their schedule. All right, thrive and not implode. That is a motivational talk if I don't know one. Thank you, Harry. All right, we're going to take a quick break because college football season kicks off in just four days. Where is the best place to put your money to make some cash this season? Well, Joe Fortenbaugh joins us next on which teams you can bank on. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. A kickoff rematch. A cross-conference showdown to start the season. Not your average season opener. Florida, Utah. Thursday, August 31st on ESPN. Welcome back to College Football Live. Victoria Arlen, Greg McElroy. And for the first time on the show, we've got sports betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh joining us. Welcome, Joe. Victoria, always a pleasure to see you. McElroy, eh, you could do better. <laughs> All right. Okay, Joe. Well, college football season is about to get underway, so let's dive into some interesting gambling lines, shall we? Absolutely. Let's start with the Utah-Florida matchup that's coming mm -hmm. up in a little bit here. Utah open is a 10-point favorite in this game. Total open as high as 49.5, but we have seen two massive adjustments here with the side going down all the way to 
uh, Utah minus four and a half. And with the total dropping as low as 45 and a half, this is a direct indictment on the status of quarterback Cam Rising out of Utah and the knee injury he sustained in the Rose Bowl last year. The betters who are getting involved here are pretty much telling you they don't expect Rising to play. And if he does, he's not going to be 100%. So the money's been coming in on Florida. I think the play here is still the under. Value gone on the side. Florida's offense is going to struggle with Graham Mertz, in my opinion. I think Utah's got that loaded defensive line that's going to limit the Gators. Greg, I think this game's going to be a slugfest. What about you? Uh, I'm on the same side. I like the under in this one. I think it's going to be slow and methodical, and everyone needs to remind themselves there are new clock rules in effect. So especially early on week zero, week one, you look at some inflated totals, understand that there's going to be fewer offensive snaps per game because the clock will no longer stop after first downs in the first and third quarter and most of the third, uh, second and fourth quarter. So I would also lean towards the under. Florida's going to be a ground-to-pound style of attack, and they're not going to get a whole lot on the ground going against a Utah team that is without potentially Cam Rising and their backup quarterback who was injured in the first scrimmage a couple weeks ago. So very much a defensive affair, I would imagine, in week one. All right, let's focus on a couple of win totals you're liking right now, starting with the Longhorns over under nine and a half wins this year. Texas is back. You can write it on my tombstone, and then we can revisit this at the end of the year if I'm wrong. Not saying they win the national championship, but this team is going to be good this season. I'm going over nine and a half wins. I've got them projected as favorites in 11 of 12 games. They will be a dog in week two at Alabama, but even if they lose that game, talent-wise, they're head and shoulders above the rest of the Big 12. Oklahoma is going to be better this season, but I don't think they're going to be elite. TCU is going to take a step back. Kansas State should be solid, but they're not going to be an elite program. Texas should run through it. They might have the best quarterback room in the entire country, led by Quinn Yours, who's going to be pushed by guys like Arch Manning. I think he takes another step in his development this year. Worst case scenario, Texas loses two, and we get home with a 10-2 record. I actually am I'm in the same boat. I'm, I'm thinking 10 wins is the floor. You reference the fact that you have him as favorites in 11 games. If you look at all 11 games, they're a seven-point favorite or better in all games except against Alabama where they're just a touchdown dog. And we saw that game go down to the wire last year. Maybe Alabama's figuring a few things out early on. Maybe they steal one on the road in Tuscaloosa. So I'm with you, Joe. I think the floor is 10 for the Longhorns. We've been burned before, but I'm willing to roll the dice this year. <laughs> well, Alabama, you guys mentioned Alabama. They actually have their lowest AP preseason rank in over a decade. And Caesar has their win total at 10 and a half. So which way are you going on this one, Joe? So you might want to cut McElroy's audio on this one because I know it's his <laughs> beloved alma mater. I'm going to play it under 10 and a half. Now, it's not one that I'd get overly aggressive with here, but I look at the state of the team and I look at how aggressive it's an ask to get to 11 wins. They lost two games last season, all right? Two losses this year is a winner for us on the under. Well, they just lost the number one pick in the draft in Bryce Young and the best defensive player in the country in Will Anderson. Alabama reloads. They don't rebuild. But is the quarterback situation going to be better for them this season? Is it going to be comparable or could it be a step back? And if it is, what happens? Three games last year that could have swung the other way. The Texas game, the Texas A&M game, and the Ole Miss game. If they drop two of those three, they're suddenly an eight-win team. And I think we might view them a little bit differently this year. Schedule sets up favorably. Most of the big games are at home. That AM game on the road is going to be troubling to some extent. McElroy, I'm sure you agree with this one, right? Alabama under 10 and a half. It's a smash. 
I, I like the over with the tide and, and totally putting the biases to the side. But I look at it and I think the home field is a significant advantage. For the first time in a while, Alabama actually does have question marks coming into the season. The fan base is engaged. They're going to create a home field environment in those games that are that is going to be chaotic. Look, Alabama fans in some ways have become somewhat complacent with the home field environment they've created because they're expected to win every game north of three touchdowns. That's not the case this year. So I would anticipate Texas walking into a to a firestorm. I think LSU is naturally going to face that. I think you look at the fact that you have Tennessee getting revenge against them. The road trip to AM is a tough one. We've seen that in the past, so that one could be one that they could definitely drop, but I don't see another one on the schedule that I expect them to lose. I just don't see them losing to Brian Denny. Mm, all right. Okay. Well, finally, we uh, talked early in the show about Notre Dame's ceiling and their win total is set for six and our eight and a half regular season wins. So where should we put it? Where should we be putting our money on this one, Joe? I played the under when it was nine and a half. It's since been bet down to eight and a half. So it's a much smaller play if you're going to get involved at all. I see him losing at home to USC and Ohio State. I see him losing on the road to Clemson. That gives us three losses. We need one more. The game at Louisville is going to be a lot tougher than people realize. That team's coming back in a strong way. Question marks on the defensive line. Question marks in the secondary. And you just lost offensive coordinator Tommy Reese to Alabama. So I lean under eight and a half. Liked it more at nine and a half, Greg. I would sprinkle just a little bit on the over here, especially now that it came off that number nine. I, when it was at nine and a half, I didn't like the over. At nine, I felt indifferent about it. Now it's at eight and a half. I'm going to fade the steam. I'm kind of thinking that you can possibly pull one off between the USC or the Ohio State game. Both games are at home. They played Ohio State well last year, and they catch them relatively early. So maybe Ohio State's still working out a couple kinks. And I think they match up really well against Clemson. Clemson's not as elite in the front seven as they once were. So I think they will be able to churn out some difficult yardage with a really high-quality offensive line and what should be improved quarterback plays. So I actually like them over. I think nine and threes about where I'm anticipating the Irish ending up this year. Of course, you've got Sam Hartman, who's ready to turn on the Jets. All right, Joe, helping us cash in on this college football season. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, still to come on College Football Live, it's year two for Duke QB Riley Leonard. Find out what's been the difference at this year's camp and a new accessory that might be on display week one versus Clemson. Song, your cynicism, remind your mind and love is what you're swimming in. And if you can't see it, then I can try singing it. All right, let's get ready. The college football season kicks off Saturday in the 18th annual MEAC SWAC Challenge. Kickoff game has South Carolina State squaring off against Jackson State at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta. Our celebration of HBCUs begins at 7.30 Eastern on ABC for the first time and the ESPN app. There were three more starting quarterbacks named yesterday. Curtis Rourke will lead the Ohio Bobcats, coming off a 3,000-yard, 25-touchdown season. And Casey Thompson gets the nod at FAU after transferring from Nebraska, where he threw for over 2,000 yards. And Luke Altmeyer will start for Illinois after not seeing much action in two years at Ole Miss. 
He is here with us now, Riley Leonard on set. Great to see you. And I want to talk about all the football, but you walked up here, and these guys want to talk about nothing but that beard. So that's where we got to start. They say it's well, looking good. Say, they say it's, it's looking good. Best, uh, I saw on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it looks I'm great. You, it's not much of a beard, but I'm, I'm trying to get there. The, the O-line wanted me to shave the head, mm. but I told him the least I can do is try to grow out a beard. So I, I don't know. I'm getting there. You right, got a good great trip, guys. Just get it lined up. Yeah, I definitely got to get it lined up. Riley, you talked about a lot last year that going into this thing, it was a competition, and you were worried about yourself right. trying to be the best version of you you could. How has this camp been def different in that regard? Yeah, uh, this camp, you know, in, in my leadership role on the team, I wasn't able to be as vocal last year. You know, I hadn't earned the respect from my teammates that I have this year. I think this year is, is more elevating my teammates. Um, instead of just focusing on myself, you know, I try to, you know, get to know everybody off the field when we get out there start talking to the guys more uh, and just building that chemistry because you know ultimately that's what's going to take us um, far this year. Riley we got to let you get back out to practice. We're going to be here Monday night for that Labor Day game. Is the beard going to be here? Beard will definitely not be You guys are, you guys are nice but I have yet to get a compliment from any oh, teammate. You just got four when guys, you walked these guys, up. These guys are going to make me shave. <laughs> all right well we know the same game is going to be there that we've been seeing from you all last year. Riley we appreciate the time. Can't wait to see what you do this season. Thank you so much. Be sure to catch the full Duke road trip tonight, 7 p.m. on the ACC Network. All right, Harry, what are your expectations for Riley Leonard this year? Well, I think he has an opportunity to climb up draft boards. This is a guy that's 6'4", about 210 pounds, but a dual-threat quarterback. He led the Duke Blue Devils in rushing last season and actually scored 13 touchdowns. He took care of the football in a massive way for his team, and he was one of the main reasons why this team was able to go 9-4 and four last season. When I look at their first game of the year versus the Clemson Tigers, and I hope Clemson, uh, they better not sleep on Riley Leonard and the Duke Blue Devils because that's a game that I think the best quarterback is Riley Leonard over what Clemson has on their side of things. So he's a guy that I think that can make tremendous strides at the quarterback position and actually have NFL scouts drooling over him after it's all said and done. I think he's got a ton of ability, but he's not going to catch anybody by surprise this year. Last year, it was like week two. I'm like, yeah, let's check out this Riley Leonard cat. Let's see what he's got. It's like, man, this guy can go. He can really play. So he's not going to catch anybody by surprise. I would imagine most ACC coaches have probably studied his skill set all offseason. So he's going to have to elevate even higher this year if he's going to replicate last season's results. And we talk about, you know, he talked about earning that respect and leadership role. Harry, how does he do that? Well, number one, he did it with his play a season ago. But when he has to be more vocal, now I think he's earned that respect from his teammates to be able to be more vocal if something doesn't go right. But I think with Riley Leonard, uh, Leonard it's all about, you know, your play on the football field and your teammates respecting you in that manner. Everybody doesn't have to be rah-rah, but when the situation arises, if you have to be that guy, then you've earned that respect from your teammates so they don't feel sideways and feel some type of way because you are getting on them. Mm. And that respect is just crucial. As you know, Greg, as Harry knows, it's so important to have that respect. All right. For Greg, for Harry, for Pete, I'm Victoria. Thanks for watching College Football Live. We'll be back tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2. Thanks for watching.